Hey everyone, my name is Austin Killian and I'm a pastor at First Baptist Church in Cleveland. Welcome to the Exiles Podcast where we talk about life, doctrine, hot topics, and all things Baptist from a gospel-centered point of view. Guys, today I don't have any special guests with me. I don't have superstars or anything like that. Today it is just me. And the reason why it's just me is because... Um, Starting Friday, we are going to be bringing on a new co-host. So I decided to take a break from the guest and let it just be you and me for the day. And so I hope that this episode is encouraging to you. Just a little bit about what's been going on with me here lately is, um, so remember, I'm a student pastor at First Baptist Church in Cleveland. We just had our Disciple Now weekend this past weekend, and um, the Lord really uh, blessed uh, that time. In fact, um, five of the intern, five of the last eight interns at First Baptist Church in Cleveland got to serve at this Disciple Now together. For those of you who may not understand what a Disciple Now is, it's a it's a weekend where students from seventh grade to twelfth grade come uh, and gather together for a weekend for a small retreat to receive intense instruction um, on how to be a disciple of Christ uh, in the community. And so uh, this weekend we focused on Romans chapter ten. And uh, just talked about uh, the idea that the church is to be a church who who sins, who preaches, and who plants uh, all for the name of Jesus Christ and advancing his kingdom. And so um, through that, uh, we have been extremely blessed. And in this, we rejoice that one of our students has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as as her Savior and as her Lord. And so here in the next couple of weeks, uh, we have an opportunity to sit down with her, to talk with her about the gospel, to talk to her about baptism, which was w- which you and I talked about a couple of um, weeks ago with my brother Jacob. And we're just excited. Man, we are so excited about what the Lord is doing in the ministry here. And we're also excited about what the Lord is doing here with this podcast. And we hope that you are too. Um, but that being said, uh, we're going to jump right in, and we're going to talk today about the Lord's Supper, as it's as it speaks about in the Baptist faith and message. So we were actually supposed to get to this. Um, we we're supposed to get to this two episodes ago. We were supposed to do baptism and the Lord's Supper together, but but Jacob brought up so many good points about baptism that, in my opinion, required us to take a moment just to sit and and to, to discuss those things, and and obviously. Um, we have the time and we have the episodes to go through the Lord's Supper in a, in a later episode, and so that's what we did. Now, I, I want to be very clear. With baptism, with Lord's Supper, and with many of these doctrines, we could go much deeper. We can go into greater detail, um, but I think for now, I think that the Baptist faith and message remains broad for a reason, and so we want to remain, uh, we want to be broad in, uh, in our understanding, and we are just hitting the surface levels. Uh, of things uh, at this time, but as we as we go along and as we evolve as a as a podcast, my hope is that we would grow deeper in the word together and deeper in doctrine together. And so, for now, we're starting off pretty shallow, pretty basic on some things. But as we go along, we we are going to spend more time and more effort digging deep into certain aspects and certain practices of the Christian faith. And I believe that baptism and the Lord's Supper are two of those areas that we really can spend a lot of time in. Um, You can spend several, several episodes just talking about baptism, and the same thing is true for the Lord's Supper. Um, This is one thing that I I think that I want us to understand as we dive into this, and right before I read, and that's this. 
the when it comes to the ordinances, that is baptism and the Lord's Supper. As Baptists, we believe that there's only two ordinances, two commands given to us by Christ that we are to observe, and that is uh, as a body, and that, like I said, is baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we need to take both of these uh, very seriously, and here's why. They both are pictures of the gospel that preach to our hearts and encourage us, and they they lay out an illustration of what Christ has come to do and what Christ is for all those who are redeemed. And so we don't want to do anything to squander that. We don't want to do anything to to put a black eye on that. We want to we want to promote the glory and the radiance of Christ our Savior, and we want to, people to see the beauty of His sacrifice and the bitter sweetness of His death on the cross for our sins. We want them to see the raising from the dead, that He, in fact, being God, being fully God and fully man, yes, He died like man, but He rose from the dead, conquering power over death and the consequences of the dead because He was truly God. And so... Um, we talk about the ordinance. There's so many implications about the gospel and about the character of Christ and about the person of Jesus um, that we we need to get right. These are primary issues that we cannot um, that we that we that we cannot fold on. That we need to stand firm in. Um, and so, uh, that being said, let's let's dive in to the Lord's Supper together. So, Article Seven: Baptism in the Lord's Supper. Part 2, The Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a symbolic act of obedience whereby members of the church, through partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, memorialize the death of the Redeemer and anticipate His His second coming. Now, that's a lot to unpack. Um, and 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 to be honest, I wish... I wish that the Baptist faith and message was a little bit more detailed in its description. But there's one thing I want us to see very clearly, and that's this. It says, whereby members of the church, the ordinances are for members. or They are for people who have repented and trusted in Jesus. And so um, there, there are events that I've been a part of um, where they've had uh, communion and they have had uh, they've allowed lost to take uh, part in the communion but we need to understand something and even Paul makes this clear in first Corinthians that um, that the Lord's Supper is for the believers it's not for um, unbelievers and so um, it's actually how we distinguish believers from unbelievers in our services you know if there's someone who is in sin someone who is out of character or out of step with the will of the father then 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 they are not to partake in the lord's supper paul would actually say until they repent and trust in jesus they are not allowed to take so even even there are times where believers uh, they may be in a season of sin they will not be able to partake in the the lord's supper until they repent and make things right with that which they sinned against that person which they sinned against and so it's really important for us um, to understand that. But like we we also need to understand the history of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper actually takes we we get our idea of the Lord's Supper uh, from an Old Testament uh, tradition, which is the Passover. Uh, I want you to think about this. Jacob's descendants had been crushed by Pharaoh, and they were um, they were slaved to Egypt, right? And and this is what um, Nine Marks Understanding Baptism book reads in its opening pages. 
says the stage is set for Israel's flight, and on the eve of their deliverance, God tells the people to slaughter a year old sheep or goat, smear its blood over their front doors, roast the animal, and eat the meat, all of it, that night. That's Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, if you want to look at that. They're to roast it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The Lord even tells them how they are to eat it. You must be dressed for travel, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. But this is what it says uh, also on the next page. Why did God spare his people? Not because they deserved to live while the Egyptians didn't. The reason God passed over his people was that they were covered by the blood of a sacrifice. It told every Israelite that they had been a slave and that their God is a God who rescues. And so we have to understand that this is the this is the origins of the Lord's Supper. And so when we get into the New Testament, Jesus he goes before his people right before his death on the cross. And what is he saying? In Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29, he says, Now as they are eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In verse 27, And he took a cup, and when he had given, that, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink when I drink it new with your father, with you in my father's kingdom. Um, so we have to understand that this this Passover that took place in the Old Testament, Jesus is the fulfillment of that Passover. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, because of the blood that he, he poured out on the cross, that blood was smeared over us. And anybody who has been covered by the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, they will be passed over by death and they will receive eternal life in Christ. And just as the sacrifice, anybody who sacrificed the Lamb in the for the Passover... Um, the death would literally pass them over and and they would not experience the wrath of God. And the same thing is true for us in new, in the, as New Testament believers. We believe that Jesus is the greater Passover, that he was the sacrifice uh, that saved us from uh, sudden death, from sudden wrath from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 says, The cup of blessing that we bless it is, an, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? And so we need to understand that as Christ has covered us with his blood and he is the reason why God's wrath has passed over us, and that is why we remember uh, him through the Lord's Supper. That's how we remember him through the Lord's Supper. We need to remember that those who participate are those who have been covered by the blood and those who participate are those who have broken, who have recognized that Christ's body his, was broken for us. It is for the body of Christ, as Paul would point out. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 21, it says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And so you see there is no in-between here. 
This is a very serious matter to the apostles. This was a very serious matter to Jesus. This is a primary matter in which we need to understand one thing and one thing only, that, that the gospel at its core, or excuse me, the Lord's Supper at its core is a message of the gospel, and we must as a church do nothing, nothing at all to distort the picture and the symbolism of the gospel. And so by allowing other people to partake in this drink, they are partaking in a covenant that God had made with us through Christ Jesus, which means that they are partaking of a covenant that they were never even, they're not even a part of yet. And so it is the Lord's Supper is not to be participated in until one is a baptized believer. Baptism comes first. Baptism is the first ordinance to obey. And then the Lord's Supper is the second ordinance they obey. But they cannot participate in the Lord's Supper unless they have been recognized as a born-again believer through the baptismal waters. And the church has made a covenant with him or her um, that they are that they are indeed members, that they have indeed professed Christ as crucified, and they've repented and trusted in Jesus for salvation. Um Again, guys, because, because Jesus, in this, giving us this, he is saying, this is a picture of the gospel of what I've come to do for you. And so if, if you're an unbeliever, why would you want to participate in this? Why, why would you want to be a part of the Lord's Supper? It means nothing to you. And, and I, get, I get so confused when Christians are so eager to, to, to have people participate in the Lord's Supper. It, I'll never I'll never understand it if they're not believers. If they haven't taken the same covenant as you, if they're not held to the same standard as you, if they're still living in sin, I don't think I, I don't know how how can we as believers be okay with that? And how can an unbeliever be okay with that? I, that's a question I'll never know. But we do need to understand and I can't reiterate this enough. This is a gospel issue. Uh, and then I want to point out, we want to transition a little bit. I want to take some things from Bobby Jameson, who's a nine marks writer and a pastor, I believe, at, at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. He writes about the Lord's Supper. He calls it a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. And this is what he says in his article. In the Lord's Supper, we remember and proclaim Jesus' death. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. In the Lord's Supper, we share together by faith the saving benefits of Christ's sacrifice for us. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 17. And in the Lord's Supper, we experience a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. The Lord's Supper is an appetizer for the feast that will commence on the day when Christ reunites heaven and earth. And then he says this, Consider God's promise in Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 8. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all his peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on that mountain, on this mountain, the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And then Jameson goes on to say, on that day, tears and shame will be forgotten forever. On that day, the smothering, strangling sheet of death that now suffocates us all will not just 
all will not just be lifted but consumed. On that day, death won't be deferred or deflected but devoured. It all, if all these miseries will be removed, what will take their place? A feast. A feast of the best. A feast for people from all peoples. A feast forever. And I want you to think about this because he what what Isaiah is talking about, what Isaiah was referring to, and what Jameson is getting to is Revelation nineteen verses six through nine, which says, "Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her." to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for, fi- for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the, of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, there, These are the true words of God. Blessed indeed, blessed fully, blessed at last. I want I think that there's something that we need to understand that there is a reflection that takes place that we that we look at the past and we see the Passover and we see Jesus as the fulfillment of the Passover. And so there is a remembrance or we remember the sacrifice that Christ has made for us on the cross, but there's also a glancing forward in the Lord's Supper where we where we look to Jesus and what he has already accomplished in our lives and we and we know that he is coming again and on that day he will partake with us of the Lord's Supper together that he will drink uh, of his father's cup uh, on that day with us. And so the Lord's Supper should not just be a time where we reflect on the cross and all the beauty of the cross and what Christ has done through his death, burial, and resurrection, but is what he is going to do when he comes again on the day of the Lord, when he comes again in his second coming, when he comes again to take back his bride. There will be a great feast on that day, and on that day we will celebrate Christ, and we will we will be raised to life with him, from our, and we will be re- reunited with our with our bodies, and we will be... We will be with our king. We will be with him and his bride will be made pure. And we will get to eat. We will get to feast with our king. And on that day, we will remember the sacrifice that Christ had made. And we will remember that all things through Christ have been made new. So the Lord's Supper, it points back to what Christ has done. But at the same time, it points to what Christ is going to do. So, so believer Have hope when you participate in the Lord's Supper. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember the mercy and the grace that he has shed through his blood and how he covers you so that God's wrath would pass over you. That his body was broken, his blood was poured out so that you may be saved. But friend, believer, brother, sister in Christ, remember this. There is a future where Christ reigns supreme. There's a future where we get to be with him forever. And this supper is the is the moment where we mark the victory of Christ Jesus. He has had, he has a victory over death. He has victory over sin. And there's coming a day where he will wipe every tear from our eyes and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And on that day, we will participate in a grander feast, a better feast. And the appetizer we're having now will be, will surpa- will be surpassed by the feast that will be held on the day of the marriage supper of the Lamb. So rest assured, have hope in what Christ is coming to do. And remember, this is the gospel. That Christ has come. He has died and 
the death that we deserve. He has poured out his blood so that the God's wrath would not face us, but would only face Jesus. And he has saved us for eternity where we will celebrate the Passover of Jesus Christ on the cross forever and ever and ever. And right now we commemorate that. We we follow that by remembering his death, burial, and resurrection and looking forward to the second coming of Jesus as we participate in the Lord's Supper today. The Baptist Faith and Message, in its study Bible, in its study book, it says this: The Lord's Supper, instituted by Christ Himself, points back to the Last Supper, which Christ shared with His disciples just before His crucifixion. At that meal, Christ explained His atoning death in terms of bread and wine. The bread, Christ said, symbolized His broken His body broken. For believers, the theme is deeply rooted in Old Testament passages like the suffering servant text in Isaiah. The broken bread points to the Christ accomplishing through his active um, and passive obedience on the cross. His body was literally broken for us. The fruit of the vine, Jesus said, represents his blood. The theme of blood of the atonement runs throughout Scripture. The Bible asserts that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You can look in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 for that. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, our great high priest, once and for all entered the heavenly tabernacle and the holy of holies, not by the blood of an animal, but by the shedding his own blood. Praise the Lord. And then lastly, it says, the Lord's Supper is not merely a memorial to be received by Christians. It is a congregational act in which the covenant community in obedience to God's command and united in one faith, one Lord, and one baptism obeys Christ by memorializing memorializing his sacrifice. The Lord's Supper is not a simple reenactment of the Last Supper. It is a post-resurrection celebration and com- com- excuse me, I miss, I'm, commemoration of the complete work of Christ. Be encouraged and know that Christ Jesus, through his blood, his atoning blood, has been poured out for you. Be encouraged that it has been poured out for you, and now, because of that, you have hope in Jesus. So the next time you participate in the Lord's Supper, I want you to focus on the sacrifice that Christ has made and that you have been forgiven of all your sins and that the wrath of God has passed over you because of Christ Jesus. So you participate and you drink. You drink that bittersweet fruit and you, you eat that bread that was broken for you and you remember, I have hope in Jesus and because of that, my sins are forgiven. And then I want you to put your hope in the future of what Jesus is going to do, that there is coming a day where there's a grander feast that will take place and we will remember all that Jesus has done and we will be reunited with our King forever and ever and ever. This is my hope and I hope and I pray uh, that this has been encouraging to you. All right, so that's going to wrap things up for us. Hey, I want you to be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at the Exiles Pod, as well as private messages. Any questions you may want to you may want us to answer. You can also contact us with your questions by emailing us at theexilespod at gmail.com. We have a new podcast every Tuesday and Friday. And before you exit off, be sure you leave a review and share this episode with your friends. Until next time, everybody. Peace. <laughs>